and welcome to the worst bestsellers where we read a book based on a movie based on a video game so you don't have to i'm renata and i'm kate and for this movie we read need for speed the movie novelization by brian kelleher Joining us to discuss this delightful novel is Amanda, a librarian slash Aaron Paul enthusiast. Hello. As as am I, by the way, both of those things. <laughs> and uh, also, we're having two guests on this episode because we just have so much to talk about. Um, mm-hmm. Also joining us is Christy, a struggling artist slash Breaking Bad fanatic. Hello. Yay. Christy, by the way, is also our first Canadian guest. So we are international, guys. Wow, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Before we even get started, I just want to uh, offer up a little justification for why we're doing this sort of random book. First of all, sometimes uh, people want to make suggestions or ask uh, if we can do a book, and then they say, I'm not sure it's actually a bestseller. I'm fairly confident that Need for Speed is not actually a bestseller, Unless it's of a very specific subcategory. Like, it's probably the best-selling, like, book based on a movie based on a video game. Um, <laughs> although, I don't I don't know. I don't know about that. Actually, yeah. I want to check that now. It's probably on the top 20, at least, of that. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but to us, it's more... It's less... When we say bestseller, it's less that we've actually, like, checked the NYT list and it's on there. And more just, like, when we started this, we didn't want it to be us just picking on really shitty, like, self-published novels. Because that's kind of, you know, those people are doing that for fun. It's not, it feels mean-spirited. Whereas this, even if it's not a bestseller, like, at least, you know, there are major players behind this whole endeavor. They're probably well-paid. I don't feel like I'm going to hurt Brian Kelleher's feelings. If he does listen to this and he did hurt his feelings, I'm I'm very sorry. <laughs> we still enjoyed the book. <laughs> we, we absolutely did. Um, oh, my God. Apparently there was a Super Mario Brothers paperback. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I want to uh, see how it's sold now. Okay, sorry. <laughs> um, also, as, as a category, this allows us to address kind of the concept of movie novelizations, which I certainly, especially when I was younger, I read a lot of movie novelizations and really enjoyed them. So I, I don't know how many of those actually ever were bestsellers, but I feel like it is a category that we can address. And then as to why Need for Speed particularly, um, as as you may have guessed, Amanda, Christine, are all huge Breaking Bad and Aaron Paul fans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so... It's all his fault. Yeah. <laughs> it but, is. <laughs> but more particularly, like, this movie, Need for Speed, I think it was the or one of the first things that he did after Breaking Bad ended. And a huge number of Breaking Bad fans on the internet were really mad about it. They were like, oh, like, he's like a serious mm-hmm. actor and this movie looks like garbage and he should only be doing like serious projects. And I was like opposite. I was like, oh, like, he's a serious actor. I can't believe he's doing this like dumb action movie. I'm so excited. And had like, so much fun <laughs> doing it. <laughs> yeah. And like, um, I own all of the Fast and the Furious franchise on DVD, like, and I love Aaron Paul, and so to me, I was like, oh, like, my vision board came through, this is perfect for me. (laughs) (laughs) And so I went, I discovered, um, at least among Breaking Bad fans who I know on Tumblr, uh, Amanda and Christy are about the only two other humans who share this opinion, so, but we, we all saw it, and we were, like, very excited, we made so many Tumblr posts about it, and then... 
We tried. The movie is mm-hmm. so weird, and we'll get into that very shortly, but it's so weird, especially compared to, like, other similar, like, car chase action movies. It's very strange, and we had a lot of fun just, like, putting questions about it on Tumblr and, like, speculating wildly about it, and then um, I don't... Amanda or Christy, one of you guys actually was the first one to discover that this book existed, I, I think it was me. me. I was looking through a catalog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, and so she posted about it, and I was like, oh, yeah, we should all read that and have Need for Speed Book Club. And then we did, and it was only the three of us. And we'll post yeah. our Tumblr links uh, later to share. We had a tag. It was hashtag NFS Book Club that only the three of us used. We're yeah, I'm fairly awesome. certain the three of us make up the Need for Speed fandom, and I'm totally cool with that. <laughs> right, Yeah. <laughs> But maybe through this podcast, we can introduce it to a wider audience. Perhaps. And then more of us can dress up as, like, Julia and Toby for Halloween. Oh, my God. (laughs) Step one, very blue contact lenses. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I'm going to say, too, that I actually haven't seen the movie. Um, So I have, like, zero background aside from reading the book and... I feel like that offers a different perspective. The perspective that I do have to offer is that the book, a large portion of the action takes place in Mount Kisco, New York, which is right around where I went to college. And I spent a lot of time in that area and spent a lot of time reading the book, nitpicking how it was portrayed. Awesome. (laughs) Yeah. So, and I, I would apologize to Kate for making her read this, but she picked Christmas sweaters. I think we're even. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, okay, so that said, we're going to jump into our, our book report and give you a little bit of plot summary as best we can, because I think, centrally, I don't really understand the plot of this. But the basics are, we've got um, Aaron Paul's character is named Toby Marshall, which I frequently often call Toby McGuire. Same. I keep same. doing that too. Yeah, <laughs> I, it's because he spells it the same way. Like who spells it with an e? Only Toby McGuire and this guy. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so Aaron Paul is a mechanic in Mount Kisco, New York, and he likes doing street racing um, with his bros. And his bros include um, Lil Pete, who is little and psychic, and, <laughs> and some sort of other interchangeable bros. And then there's his nemesis, Dino Brewster, who is played by uh, Dominic Cooper, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. And Dominic Cooper left town after high school, and he became sort of a professional race car driver and then got disqualified or something. It's vague, and we'll get into that later. So they have this rivalry, and they have a really intense rivalry. And this was the source of a lot of our speculation about the movie, is, like, what exactly even happened to make them hate each other so much? It seems, like, irrational, this hatred. Mm -hmm. The book explains it a little bit, but honestly not very satisfactorily. No. That that in high school they they both fought over the same girl, and there was some kind of, like, locker room, like, fight. I thought that was before the girl. Oh. Yeah. I I thought in high school, I thought in high school that um, Toby dated... Well, in high school, Toby dated Anita, but it seemed like the actual fight took place. It was not about Anita. It was about, like other stupid shit that boys fight over car oh, racing oh. and stuff. It's also white collar versus blue collar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that happened. And after the fight, because they were the only two people present, like Dino told everyone that he won 
and Toby told everyone, like, but the truth was that Toby won, but everyone believed Dino, and Toby was really mad mm-hmm. that Dino would, like, lie like that because it's an honor thing. And it wasn't until after high school, Anita, the girlfriend, who had been dating Toby, and they were, like, super in love, decided she wanted to get out of Mount Kisco and go to New York, and Toby, just his dream was to run his father's uh, garage and be a mechanic, so they broke up, and she ended up dating Dino instead, and it was, like, betrayal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they, Dino was this, already his rival. This mm-hmm. just all seems backwards. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so anyway, so they have this rivalry, and then this is kind of backstory, and then where the where it starts up again... Well, it starts off with a street race. Just, of you know, course. just like a casual, fun street race. No big deal. Uh, like you do. And Dino shows up as a surprise, and then the next day he comes to Toby's mechanic shop, and everyone there reacts as if, like, um, like Hitler has showed up. They're like, get out of here. <laughs> like, we can't believe it. Like, you are the worst human of all time. Mm-hmm. Just, like, really, dr- really dramatic hatred. And then he's like, hey, I've got this Mustang I want you guys to fix up. It's a job. And then uh, Toby decides to do it because the garage really needs money. And his bros are, like, really disappointed that as a mechanic he would take this car job, even though they, like, anyway. And and his buddy Finn, who works at the garage, apparently has a business degree, but yes. doesn't use it to help the garage. In, in no way. Of course not. Why would he do that? <laughs> also, he says that he got his business degree from the nearest SUNY school. But the nearest SUNY school is the SUNY school that I went to, which is an art college and doesn't offer... Business. Well, that explains everything. So, <laughs> in my head, I headcanoned that Finn actually has a degree in ballet that he's too embarrassed to tell his bros about. Yes. So he tells them he has a business degree. That actually would add up to his striptease scene later. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I, I accept his headcanon. Yeah. Also, in the movie, Finn is played by the same guy who was King Tut in the um, in the Night at the Museum movies. FYI. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Awesome. I'm pretty sure. I actually get all the bros confused. But no, I'm pretty... he is. Okay, it good. It is. <laughs> okay, so he does. they do this awesome job fixing up this Mustang. It's like a legendary Mustang for, like, car reasons, whatever. But then, instead of paying him, Dino's like, hey, I challenge you to a car race, double or nothing. Um, and, if like, if you win, I'll give you, like, twice as much. And Toby's like, you're on. And then Lil Pete wants to join, too. And Toby doesn't want him to, but Dino's like, yeah, like, no problem. And so they have this car race using these three, like, very high-end cars that Dino owns. And Dino kind of, like, cuts off Lil Pete, and then his car flips, and Lil Pete dies. And Aaron Paul is obviously very distraught about this. But then also, he goes to jail for manslaughter for this because Dino denies that he was involved. And and the way that Aaron Paul was so far ahead because he had won the race that it seemed like the accident only involved two cars. So he turned around to go back to help Little Pete and mm-hmm. Dino took off. So they were like, well, it only involved two cars. So you were the only one there. So it had to be you. And this you is were, where they got the the real good Jesse Pateman factor because mm-hmm. Aaron Paul knows how to cry and be oh, extremely yeah. he's a sad. Crier. Although I think yeah. he's more yelling. He's more yelling. 
this is true. But then, you know, moving on when he's so depressed, he can barely function. It's like when Jane died, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. Though I'm trying to figure this out was, did he deliberately flip the car? Yeah. So that's that's eternally unclear to me. Like, how how much Dino planned all along, how much um, Toby planned of his revenge. Like, it seems like a lot of weird coincidences or, like... Like, was he just like, oops, I killed a guy? Right. I, without having seen the movie, I read it as, like, he did it... Like, I don't think he tried, he wanted to kill him, but because, like, there was that thing about how he, like, took out cars under a caution flag, whatever that means, in order to get ahead... Like, I felt like he did purposely, like, take advantage and try to arrest Little Pete, but didn't, I don't think, necessarily intend to kill him. He's an opportunistic villain. Yeah. (laughs) He sees it and he goes for it. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, and then this is the best part we're getting to. Uh, Oh, okay. So, then um, Toby goes to jail for two years for accidental manslaughter. Which, by the way, he acts like he's totally innocent, but he was in an illegal car race. Like, he's I don't want to angel. <laughs> anyway, in the movie, like, he goes to jail and it's like jail door closes, and then you just see two years later and he, like, leaves. You see none mm-hmm. of what he does in jail. Really? But, <laughs> right. <laughs> but totally glossed over. It's like. It's like he's in the biggest, most intense Supermax prison, like, with the worst of the worst. And I mean, I don't know a lot about the prison system, but I feel like vehicular manslaughter and, like, car theft does not get you put in with the super serial rapists and murderers. With the lifers, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, all of a sudden, this, like, Fast and the Furious fan fiction takes one chapter off to become Oz fan fiction. Yeah. <laughs> It's so, this was my favorite part because it was just so ridiculous. Like a guy, like the big, mean, worst gang member comes after him with a fucking machete, like an actual machete, not like a shiv he made out of a pencil or like some, he has a literal machete in prison. Not Danny Trejo, a literal machete. (laughs) Machete. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was I was kind of going like maybe he got it from a guard. I can't remember. Did they mention the guards being corrupt? They were corrupt. Like they did look the other way, but it's like why would the guard even have a machete? <laughs> <laughs> and then the other, the other like second baddest guy in the gang, his weapon is a doorknob in a sock, not a door handle, an actual doorknob, which I imagine they don't have in the prison. Right. So right. Where did this come like, oh yeah, honey, you gotta sneak a doorknob into a pie and bring it to me in prison. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> yeah, so he has this super dramatic like prison scene and he just oh and he ends up in solitary confinement for like forever after because, that. Thirteen months. Like that yeah. is inhumane. <laughs> But like, he, that, that's because of the fight, right? Yeah, yeah because of the fight. About the fight. And then he keeps breaking his utensils when they give him food so he can stay in solitary longer than originally intended. Oh, right. Because he wants to be alone. So, oh. Yeah, so he's just in solitary, like, <laughs> fucking brooding about Lil Pete, which, again, is very sad that Lil Pete died. But, like, what? So then he spends this <laughs> year in solitary confinement, like, devising this revenge plan, which makes no sense because solitary confinement, like, 
makes you literally crazy. And I think we see that play out here. That he's, <laughs> like, he's come up with this weird fucking plan for revenge against Dino. And I'm going to let somebody else take over and explain the revenge, if you can. I, I don't even can. know that I understand it. Like, I, it, it seems like it hinges on too many really bizarre things. Yes. Like, he needs to, because he has no contact with, like, what's going on. Because there's this big car race, this big secret car race called... The De Leon. Leon. Oh, De yeah, Leon. we need... I'm sorry, we, we forgot to talk about the monarch and the De Leon, and I guess that is oh, introduced yeah. at the beginning. We do need to... Um, we do need yeah. to talk about it. So the monarch has this, like, underground... They call it a podcast... But it's like kind of like a vlog that is secret and you need like cert- you need to have certain passwords and-, and secret URLs to get into it. And it's invitation only. And he kind of keeps an eye on all the street racing, I guess, in the world. I guess. And That's the power of the internet. Like the De Leon, which is a big secret illegal street race with the best of the best every year. And it's invitation only. And you have to have, like, a $2 million car to even be in consideration. And very early on, he does a broadcast where he talks about Toby specifically and says, like, oh, I've heard this guy Toby Marshall is really good. If he ever gets, like, a good enough car, you know, he would be a contender for the De Leon. And everyone is like, oh, my God, because, of course, Toby and his bros are super obsessed with this podcast. I'm doing air quotes, but you can't see it. Right. Uh, sidebar, uh, the monarch is Michael Keaton, by the way. <laughs> Beetlejuice is the monarch. <laughs> that helped a lot. <laughs> and so, he does a superb job in the movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's killing it. <laughs> so Toby's revenge plan ends up being, as, as I follow it, this very vague, everything's kind of based on... Like, there's no real plan. Like, it's all based on chance. Like, if he Mm -hmm. can get this big fancy, the ghost Mustang that he helped build, because it ended up being sold to this other guy, if he can get that guy to agree to let him drive it, he can convince he knows someone, his his bros might know someone who figured out that they they kind of know where the De Leon is, and he can drive across country to get into the race where Dino hopefully is also in it and then either beat him or kill him. It's never really clear. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And like, maybe the fact that it's that specific car has something to do with the revenge, but maybe it doesn't. Yeah. Cause how the revenge ends up playing out is that in order. Oh my gosh. Okay. So (laughs) the ghost Mustang, which is worth like $2 million, by the way, gets destroyed in his attempt to get to the race. So Mm -hmm. he needs, he gets there and he's like, I made it in time, but I need a car. And then Anita, who's his ex-girlfriend and Dino's current girlfriend is like, Hey, I think Dino's shady. Let me give you this. And so she gives him the key to a storage unit where he's been saving all the cars from the accident that killed Lil Pete, just like hanging out there. And so Mm -hmm. Aaron Paul's like, oh, this is really important evidence for like my best friend's death. I better use it to race in an illegal street race. And so for hopefully not destroy it in the process. (laughs) Right. So he takes this rather than just like call the police and be like, hey, guys, he's like, nah, I'll take this car and I'll beat him in the race. And then the police will like see the evidence. But again, there's no way that he could have known that. So Mm -hmm. 
I don't, and I mean, he acts as if it's a surprise. He's like, oh. And that was another thing, actually, that I'd hoped reading the novel would clear up, because it's not, it's not clear in the movie if he knew or not. Mm-hmm. In the novel, it's also unclear. I mean, actually, I think it's clear that he didn't know. So, again, it's it's well, unclear, like, what, what did he, he wanted want? To, he wanted to win the De Leon with an American-made car. Oh, not right, a which European had never been car. Done. yeah. Yeah, so his Ford Mustang that he souped up was supposed to be the, the one to win, and then it gets destroyed, and so that's out the window. That, that would have been a lot more effective, I think. Yeah. <laughs> just if, if that car, because I'm just... I mean, clearly, though, I think he was just going off of the vision. Right. <laughs> that's my oh, theory. We, yeah, we totally skipped the part about how <laughs> little Pete is going off the vision. Yeah. <laughs> This is, okay, and then this is the other main thing that I'd hoped would be cleared up by the novel versus the movie. It is not. Uh, Lil Pete has psychic powers, or maybe he doesn't, but probably he does. (laughs) (laughs) And he predicted that Toby would win the race. Well, he predicts, so he predicts, like, the very first race where Dino comes back to town He's like, oh, I had a vision. I had a vision that you're going to win this race, Toby, and win $5,000. And they, like, laugh at him, but then Toby does. And then in the race where Little Pete dies, when they walk in and they see the three cars that they're going to race, he says to Toby, like, oh, I just had a vision that you're going to beat Little – you're going to beat Dino in this race because in the race where – where little Pete dies, like not only would Toby have won all the money from Dino, but he would have won the car too. And he's like, you know, you're going to beat, you're going to win this race and you're going to win the De Leon in this car because you're going to win it from, from Dino when you win. And then, you know, obviously instead little Pete dies. <laughs> so I guess in a way that the vision's fulfillment is that yeah. he drives the car that killed little Pete <laughs> and wins the De Leon. about the the whatever the german Koenigsegg? one that's named i can't pronounce yeah, the Koenigsegg? The Koenigsegg. Koenigsegg, yeah the kinder egg <laughs> <laughs> yes there we go hey the you where everyone just drives toy cars that were inside kinder eggs <laughs> <laughs> because because the right before little pete dies that was when they were listening to the monarch broadcast where he said like toby if you get a good car like let me know and i'll hook you up with entrance into the de leon so like they were like oh well if we win and like the prize of the de leon is like a gazillion dollars and all the cars no there's no money all you get is the cars that if you enter your car into the de leon and you lose you lose that car so every car that's entered goes to the winner so actually the prize that toby won was worthless because everyone else's car was destroyed i know he won he won scrap metal and he had to go back to jail because he broke parole to enter the race. Yeah, and I, because I guess I, maybe I missed that part, because I assume that the reason he wanted to be in the De Leon was because if he won, like at the beginning, before Lil Pete died, if he won, he could win enough money to pay the back mortgage on his father's garage and save the garage. That is why, because theoretically, those cars would be very valuable, because they're very, like, people enter very fancy cars. Okay. And assuming, like, normally they're not destroyed in the race, so normally that would be very valuable. You could have those cars and then sell them and then fix the garage. But because Dino fucked shit up and, like, whatever, because the race went awry, everyone else's car was ruined in the race. I mean, technically he still is the one car, or did he wreck that one too? 
No, it was evidence, so it was saved. Oh, <laughs> it's evidence, though. Yeah, it's not his. Like, he actually just stole that car, so... <laughs> From the evidence locker. Yeah, wow, okay. So, anyway... He's in prison. He comes up with this crazy revenge plan that no one understands that is hinged entirely on chance and doesn't seem to be very a very good idea for the one chance to clear your name and avenge your BFF. But whatever. Solitary it took does him 13 to months to come up with it, though. I mean... <laughs> well, and clearly, like, he'd been... Clearly, he convinced all of the, his bros of it, too, because they all, like... You know, he's been using his weekly phone calls or whatever to explain this plan to them. And they are idiots i guess because they've all been like sounds good toby sounds good we'll pick you up from jail with our like tow truck and like all that just you know we'll be ready to go for your weird plan that makes no sense yeah so the other part of it is that he has to write a letter to the guy who wrote the ghost who bought the ghost mustang and he i guess explains the plan to him too and says can i borrow the car to drive it in the de leon and the guy's like sure so not only do (laughs) his bros who are bros and not that bright like think that this is a good idea a multi-millionaire car dude who owns lots of cars and i guess is in theory smart also thinks this is a good maybe idea maybe he was born into the money maybe. Yeah, right. <laughs> he's a rich bro he's a rich bro <laughs> <laughs> well he, okay he was like yeah totally take my car and also take my sexy lady british assistant to help you out mm-hmm. um and like he is very resistant to this for some reason like their previous interactions had been fine like he'd met her before and they had like sort of a normal it's not like he had a pre-existing enmity with her but when she shows up and she's like no i have to stay with the car because it's my boss's car he acts like that is the most unreasonable thing in the world yeah he like actively tries to like come up with ways to drive her away figuratively not literally 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 driving away from him um and and not like, oh, like I would expect almost because this this book makes it very clear that ladies uh, don't know about cars good. They don't know how to car good. I, I would expect it to be like, oh, like I don't want you to get hurt. It's going to be really dangerous. But it's literally like, oh, you're garbage. Get away from me. Like, why are you here for whatever reason? I'm going to make you, I'm going to drive really recklessly to make you go away and it's ostracize very, you. And it's very grade school. Yeah. 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 Like, like yeah. so she's to be his right seater, which is the person who sits in the right seat. And I guess like, I don't know, checks the map for you and like hands you things and whatever. And he's like, you can't be a right seater. And she's like, well, why not? And he's like, well, for starters, uh, you're high heels. And she says, you can just call them heels. Like, what? Like, <laughs> first, like it's how not bros like, think girls talk. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not like high heels is a totally unreasonable or unacceptable thing to call high-heeled shoes. Like, yeah, you can also just call them heels and I'll know what you mean. But it's not like he called them, like, I don't know. It's not like he called them thongs instead of flip-flops. Like, that would be hilarious. But no, mm-hmm. he just called them high heels. That's fine. And also, why does that stop her from, like, it's a sitting-down job. If she was pushing driving, the pedals. Yeah, if she was pushing the pedals. Right. That but might she make wasn't. some great sense. Yeah. It's like, so, it's really bizarre. Everything about this book is freaking bizarre. But so they're on like their plan is they have like 72 hours to 45. get to, oh, 45 Less. hours <laughs> to get to California where this 
race is going to be held. They don't know exactly where, just somewhere in California. But this is this is my favorite part, is because they decide to make this big detour to Michigan to get Finn, who took, like, a real job. So they spend time out of these 45 hours to swing by Michigan to get their friend and then continue on to California. I'm like, why? What does he do in and to get Finn to get Finn they go in and they're like you know Finn you gotta come with us and they convince him by like they call him on the cell phone and and tell him to look outside and he sees like the famous ghost car that he helped build and like Toby does tricks or something with it and that convinces him to go so instead of just like quitting or like making up an excuse to leave he takes off all his clothes and stark <laughs> naked rides the elevator down to the lobby and leaves i and was like, i was almost done at that point <laughs> that I, don't blame you. I was i was just getting started <laughs> <laughs> yeah well because he says uh, then they're like why'd you have to do that and he's like to make sure i couldn't go back and, like, it's supposed to be this thing that, like, he's committing to this life of being, like, a, a roving mechanic instead of this, like, boring business job. But it's just weird. It yeah. is. I guess they just needed an ass shot in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. And Aaron Paul was like, no, thank you. <laughs> oh, I'm married. <laughs> <laughs> so the whole gang is back together and, like, they have to get across and the country to California and, like, the cops are on their tail because he's breaking parole. And also they're going, like, 200 miles an hour. And Dino calls into the Monarch show and basically says, when the Monarch hears about this, he's like, oh, you know, Toby, if you can make it to California, like, you're in the De Leon. And Dino, who won the De Leon last year, hears about this. And he needs to win again this year because he's in debt up to his eyeballs with the mob. Which, by the way, that part's not in the movie either, and I did kind of, like, this is one thing that I thought was added to the book that genuinely did sort of clarify why he was so desperate to win this race, aside from just, like, revenge and, like, matcha, like, whatever. Like, it raised the stakes a little bit for him, and I thought that was a good job, Brian Kelleher. You made one (laughs) element of this make slightly more sense. Thank you. So he, he, like, says on the Monarch show, like, anybody who can take out the Ghost Mustang and take out toby marshall like i'll give you my place in the de leon and the car that i was going to drive in it if you can like knock him out so like randomly that means that there's like a whole aside where some guy the flying hawaiian (laughs) (laughs) goes after them so in addition to the cops chasing them this like crazy car driving guy is also chasing them in like one brief scene to try and and knock them off yeah it's not even that great of a deal is it like if if he was to give up his winnings maybe i don't know and he's got a really cool car and they want their really cool car so they're gonna try and kill somebody for the really cool car (laughs) to be in a race where you'll probably lose the really cool car Mm -hmm. yep okay logic (laughs) (laughs) But and I, I think it's also worth mentioning that he's got another, like, Aaron Paul's character, Toby, also has another buddy who's a pilot. Yes. And shows up randomly. That, that was handy, yeah. Yeah. I also think it's worth discussing how badly all the police of all the entire country <laughs> wanted to capture, <laughs> like, they were dedicating 
hella manpower, hella helicopter hours, everything toward chasing down Toby okay, Marshall. Okay, okay. But, but they did this, this is based off the video game. That's the thing. The second you start speeding in the video game, you have like a hundred cop cars crashing into you. <laughs> oh, okay. I, it makes video sense. game logic. I haven't, I haven't I played have. this game. Why tell tell I, me more. I, well, I, I just that was like N sixty four, I think, or GameCube. That's been forever. I looked online later because I was like, "Oh, were these characters in the video game? Do they have like an established?" No, life? like no, they, yeah, no. There's no narrative to the game, right? There's it's just like cop just cars, cop cars chasing you down the road while you're trying to win a race. That's <laughs> that's the whole thing. <laughs> But then, so last night I watched, um, I saw this movie twice in theaters, by the way, because it was so weird that, and I wouldn't stop talking about it. So I, I went originally with one friend, I wouldn't stop talking about it. So another friend went with me and she's like, you're right, that was really weird. Anyway, <laughs> last night I watched it on DVD um, and it was the first time I'd actually watched the DVD, although I, I like pre-ordered it and then it came and I just didn't watch it for some reason. But anyway, the DVD includes a trailer for Need for Speed Rivals, which appears to be a video game based on the movie, based on the <laughs> oh video game. Oh my gosh, mind blown. <laughs> we're, going, not, we're going It's deep. not based on the book. <laughs> no. <laughs> They've left out the added info about the mob oh. that the book contributed to the canon of Need for Speed, I believe. We'll, tell, our, we'll tell ourselves it's based. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, they manage to survive um, the attack by the flying Hawaiian because their friend, who's a pilot, steals an army helicopter because there was this running joke about how he claimed he flew one when he was in Afghanistan, but no one believed him. So he does fly one and he like makes them all say that he actually did it. It's it's like his Heisenberg moment. He's like, say my name. And they're like, Maverick. (laughs) (laughs) So they airlift the ghost car, like, out of danger, but it's all wrecked. So they manage to get to San Francisco, but, like, they need a new car because it's hella damaged. And not just from that, there's, like, another guy who shows up to get... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is a second accident. Wait, was it a semi? Mm, Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and I think the implication there is that Dino sent that one after them, and Aaron Paul is okay, but the girl gets, like, super banged up and needs to go to the hospital. And he needs so they to have... carry her. Yes. Dramatically, yeah. So that's the point where he gets re- in contact with Anita, the high school girlfriend who's now Dino's girlfriend, and she's like, Dino's really shady, so I'm giving you the key to his locker where he keeps his storage locker, and there might be some cars in there. And that's where he finds the car that he used in the race the with Kinder Little egg. Yeah, the Kinder, Kinder egg. egg. <laughs> so he decides he's going to take the Kinder Egg to the race. And then the race happens, and... Well, the, the big dramatic moment is... And this is so fucked up. So um, the, there's only five people on the daily on. The first three all wreck their cars and, like, have to leave the race. And oh. then Dino flips his car... And Aaron Paul turns around to help him out of the burning wreckage. 
and then he keeps going and wins anyway. And that's just, like, a big moment where, he, like, you know, he's the bigger man, like, whatever. But he you didn't give a fuck back. about the other three people. Or, like, <laughs> yeah. various police officers were also hurt. Like, there was there was probably a death toll to this race. And he didn't there give a carnage. fuck about anyone except there for Dino. There was carnage. Yeah, because, like, it, like, all the police find out that the race is happening, which I guess has, like, never happened before. So in addition to just the regular... Because it's kind of implied that's why the death toll is so high, that in addition to just the regular obstacles of the race, suddenly there are, like, cops there, and they're doing all these tricks to try and get them to stop. Right, and, and like, it's... Monarch says, racers should race, and cops should eat donuts. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Very poetic. (laughs) So, yeah, and then as he's winning, like, in the the Kinder Egg car, he realizes, like, oh, Little Pete's vision was correct. Like, I am winning the De Leon in the Kinder Egg car, just not for the reasons we thought when he had the vision. Yeah. And also, before he starts the race, he, like, whispers to Little Pete, I need you, buddy. And then it's sort of implied that his ghost helps with everything. <laughs> so then at the end of the race, like, he goes back to jail for, like, illegal racing, stealing a car, like, evading police, all this other stuff, and breaking his parole. But it's only for, like, 18 months this time. Oh, so even despite, less, I thought. I it's thought 178 it like days. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, like, so that, that's like, almost as long as he was in originally. <laughs> In the in the first like so he it, for vehicular manslaughter and stealing a car he gets like a gazillion year sentence well three two or three years and then for this it's like oh well you know Slap mistakes happen yeah, this, this seems worse <laughs> yeah way worse <laughs> I think maybe it's this is not this is just me assuming possibly like since he sort of proved that he had been framed the last time maybe they sort of like took pity on him this time. Did time served? Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. And, like, yeah. he has no problem in this prison. Like, there's no guys with machetes. <laughs> He's just, whatever, just, like, cooling my heels until I'm out and I could hook up with my hot British new girlfriend. It's weird. Maybe it's also because he wasn't as intense the second time around. Yeah. You know, because he had avenged his friends, so he's not, like, brooding and reciting creepy poems. <laughs> also, just all his other bros are in jail. Well, he, he finds no. other incarcerated grease monkeys to hang out with in prison. Right. Oh, that would help. <laughs> and that's okay. His, his one bro who stole the military helicopter ends up in the brig. But I feel like everyone else was okay. Were they? Yeah. I thought the other bro was, the other bros were arrested too. I didn't think they were. All right. No. Maybe I made that up. Maybe they should have been. They should have been. They, they should have <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Let's also just talk, one of the main failings of this book was that it did not include any glossy photos from the film. Oh, I was so disappointed. Um, Amanda and I were talking about how, um, before this, about how that was always the best part of movie novelizations. Although, um, it's funny, I think, no, that's not true. I did read the X-Men movie novelization, like, when I was in college. But mostly this was when I was younger that I would read movie novelizations, and it was sort of before the internet. Mm-hmm. So I wonder now if that is the thing. Maybe they don't bother to put photos in, because, like, you can just go to our website or, like, Google Images, whereas before you couldn't. I know that um, when I was working at the bookstore, the children's novelizations still had photos from the movies in them. Mm-hmm. Like, the middle grade-ish ones for all the popular kids' movies. 
they still had that like center glossy insert. Yeah. So maybe it's right, a difference. Get first. Yeah. <laughs> like a difference between the adults and the children. I don't know. Oh yeah, they don't because yeah, this is not this is not for children. <laughs> so they think I as adults that I don't want a glossy photo of Aaron Paul. Like. <laughs> Excuse you, I want every book to come with a glossy photo of Aaron Paul in the middle. I'm trying to remember, because I read, I read the novelization of X2, but I don't remember if there were photos in it. I think I have that in my apartment. I'm just going to leave the conversation for a minute and go get that so I can fact check this right now. Okay. You guys keep talking about movie novelizations and Aaron Paul. I don't care. I'll be right back. Well, I, I mean, regardless as to adult or children novelization, it's just what you come to expect from a novelization of a movie. It's I, I want, yeah, it's just something you want in there. It doesn't matter I, what age bracket it's for. See, I don't think I've ever read a movie novelization until now. Oh, good for you. So thank you, guys. <laughs> thank you. I read a lot of them when I was a kid. And yeah. I, I have to admit that, like, a big part of reading them was to get, like, I'd buy them from the book fair to get those glossy photos in the middle. Yeah, and just to look at them, because it's nice. And then you can say, oh, that's where I am in the story now. Haha, there's a photo. And oh, some of them were, were interesting, too, because, like, the one that I remember the most is the movie novelization of The Nightmare Before Christmas, which mm-hmm. added a lot of really interesting things to the story, including an extended opening that isn't in the actual movie. And I read it so many times that to this day, when I watch the movie, I'm surprised when <laughs> the opening isn't, because it was like this whole thing that talked about all the different holidays and why, like, the portals in the trees existed. And I'm always surprised when it's just two sentences mm-hmm. to this day. <laughs> um, I'm back, by the way. I do have both the X-Men movie novelizations. I knew exactly where they were. And I feel great about that. They don't have any photos in them. I thought they did. But also, did you guys know X2 was written by Chris Claremont? Like the I did movie, know like, that. He wrote really? the movie novelization. I did know that. It's extra gay. <laughs> it's pretty good. I've I mean, I don't, read I don't this many know times. that it's necessarily because Cl- Chris Claremont does it, but they put a lot of backstory about like Charles visiting Eric in prison. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> that was important to me in college. <laughs> That's important to you now. That's it important is. to all of us. Fair enough. No photos though. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. okay. So yeah, maybe they just don't do that for grown-up movie novelizations. Summer. Yeah. Uh, One other thing I want to say before we move on to the other segments is that, like, the weirdest, like, bro-ish, most bro-ish detail in this that's a throwaway line is Aaron Paul is talking about his parents and his mother. And his mother used to model for tasteful calendars. (laughs) (laughs) His mom was hot, bro. That were in... You know, shops, you know, auto body shops across the country, but they were tasteful. <laughs> His mom's a milf, bro. <laughs> also, I just found it creepy how she's only ever just standing there silently smiling. Like, that's his only memory of her. Mm. Yeah, well. I mean, his, his more important relationship was with the road. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> I guess let's move on to our dramatic readings, and you guys can can really experience the thrill of a book based on a movie based on a video game. Uh, And we're going to start with something um, pretty early on. I think it is the first of Lil Pete's visions. And I will be Lil Pete slash the narrator. 
Amanda will be Benny and Kate will be Finn, who are two of the bros, if you don't recognize those names. Suddenly, Little Pete stopped in his tracks, closed his eyes, and acted as if he were receiving some kind of vision from the great beyond. He turned to Toby. While Monarch was talking about you just then, I had a vision. Here we go, Finn murmured. Quiet, Benny said with a laugh. (laughs) I love hearing the kids' visions. I saw water and the sun and... And your sister in a hot bikini, Finn interjected with a laugh. Shut it! Little Pete scolded him. This is serious. He composed himself and continued. I saw Toby in this vision, and you know what? He's going to win the De Leon. No shit, Finn said with good-natured sarcasm. Toby Marshall is going to win the crown jewel of underground racing against McLarens and Bugattis and... Wait, is this going to happen this year? Finn was right. Small, illegal street races happened all the time, and they almost exclusively involved cars that were customized stock cars anyone could buy, such as Camaros, Mustangs, or Gran Torinos. But again, the De Leon was at the other end of the rainbow, involving high-end foreign-built cars like Lambos and Bugs. If any American-built cars were involved, they were usually sonically-priced Mustang GTs, and maybe, on an odd moon Monday, a Chevy Corvette. But that happened very rarely. So that just a taste. This book involves a lot of name dropping of brands of cars, which I guess the movie does in a visual sense. Mm-hmm. It's weird because, I, like I said, I do like Fast and the Furious. I like car race movies. I don't really give a shit about cars, so I, I just like seeing them explode mainly. I don't mm-hmm. care what kind they are. So that you got a lot of that going on. A lot of weirdo phrasing, like sonically priced in Odd Moon Monday. Like that's not a thing that people say, is it? No, maybe if you're a bro, they've got their own lexicon. (laughs) This book is written in bro code. (laughs) (laughs) All right, um, the next dramatic reading, I'm going to read a little bit about Toby's time in prison. (laughs) Just because it's so fucking insane. The prison was also an extremely dangerous place, as he soon found out. The guards weren't there to protect the inmates. It was clear from the beginning that that was not how the system worked. The guards were more like onlookers, referees, caretakers of the status quo. Many of them were corrupt, paid off by the prisoners or their families. Their main concern, then, was that no one on the inside rocked the boat. The system itself was run by the lifers, gangs of murderers and rapists who had nothing to lose by beating and robbing new meat. Sadistic and psychotic, they pretty much had full run of the place, including access to anyone's cell or work area. An attack could come at any time and in any place. Most perverse was that this constant terror provided a kind of horrific stability to the place. Management through fear ruled within prison walls, not guards or guns or billy clubs, just plain unadulterated fear. And the newer you were to the system, the more dangerous it could be. On his fifth day in, Toby was washing his face in the shitter when he looked in the mirror to see another prisoner, a gang member, standing behind him, holding a machete. He was giving Toby the finger across his throat sign. The meeting was clear. You're next. (laughs) Later that day, another inmate came up to Toby in the laundry and claimed he'd seen what had happened earlier. He offered to help Toby out of his jam in return for some unspecified services Toby could provide him in the future. Toby was smart enough to know he was being set up. 
Much to the man's surprise, he told the helpful inmate, no thanks. He'd handle the situation himself. The man replied, okay, nice knowing you. Later that night, Toby heard the door to his cell open. It was supposed to be locked at 8 p.m., but obviously this was not a guard coming to check on him. Toby was ready with the only weapon he had at his disposal, a sharpened pencil. He saw the glint of the machete drawing closer and was never more scared in his life, but that's when his survival instincts kicked in. He aimed low and stuck his would-be assailant in the groin with the pencil. It went in deep and smoothly as a knife, through butter. The attacker doubled over from the unexpected preemptive strike, hitting the floor of the cell hard and conveniently cracking open his skull. When the guards eventually arrived, they found the attacker curled up on the ground, bleeding profusely, with Toby sitting calmly on the edge of his bunk. When they asked what happened, Toby told them he tripped. He knew what would happen next though he was sure he'd gained some cred among those lowly prisoners who lived in daily fear of the system, he also knew he'd be marked by a man, uh, be a marked man by the lifers. The next day at breakfast, he walked up to the largest member of the machete man's gang and without warning started wailing on him with fists and feet. To Toby's good fortune, the man's weapon of choice, a doorknob carried in a sock, fell out of his pocket. Toby picked it up and started thrashing him with that as well. The others in the machete gang stood back and let it happen. That's the way things worked. It took Toby two long minutes to hammer his victim into unconsciousness. When the guards arrived and saw what had happened, they were convinced Toby was not someone who wanted to play within the system. He was immediately put in shackles and put in the hole, prison slang for solitary confinement. And that's like... That's prison when you commit vehicular manslaughter, apparently. That sounds right. <laughs> I just... All right, well, my personal favorite chapter, aside from the prison chapter in the book, is um, one where they're at a rest stop. It's Toby and Julia driving cross-country, but they have to refuel. Um, so they're stopped at a, at a truck stop, and what I particularly like is it's just so slapstick, and this poor author had kind of a weird way of describing things. Um, he used mightily, the word mightily, at least three or four times in this one chapter. Um, so, anyway. Toby brought the Mustang to a stop and jumped out. He stretched mightily and started pumping high grade into the Mustang's nearly depleted gas tank. Meanwhile, Julia headed for the bathroom. Please hustle, Toby called after her. We're two hours behind schedule. And by the way, keep it low-key. Monarch just made you famous, okay? Got it, Julia replied, jogging to the quick mark. Trust me, I'll be fast. The refueling went quickly, but just as Toby finished up, a Nebraska State Police patrol car pulled into the truck stop. Toby coolly ducked down, then scurried to the cover of a pickup truck parked in the adjacent gas bay. So a state trooper has come in, and he walks into the gas station and meets up with Julia, and he says, Excuse me, miss, he says to her because she's acting a little suspicious. Can I ask you a few questions? Julia slipped the phone into her handbag without disconnecting and then stood up. Why, of course you can, she replied, trying hard to affect a southern accent. She read his badge. Officer Lejeune, she added, how can I help you? Do you live in the area? The trooper asked her. She shook her head. No, sir, she replied. We're long hauling. The trooper studied her outfit and thought about her accent. Is that right? He asked skeptically. Julia laughed, though she was fighting mightily to stay calm. Yes, sir, she replied. So then he asks her about the car, and then she runs away and decides to run up the stairs. 
classic horror movie blender yeah she's like it locked the door she's in this dark room on the second floor um i'm upstairs now she yelled to toby over the phone i'm in a room like a storage room is there a window toby asked her quickly Julia ran to the room's only window. Suddenly, the trooper was banging mightily on the locked door. Yes, there's a window, she told Toby, but I'm on the second floor. Toby could hear the trooper yelling in the background. I'm asking you to open this door, miss. Climb out the window, Toby urged Julia. I'll be there. But she doesn't want to move because she's afraid of heights. Um, because, of course. And <laughs> so she's. Toby gets her to come to the outside the window and get to the edge. So she finally crept to the edge of the roof and let her feet dangle over. Now close your eyes and just jump, Toby yelled up to her. On three, one. Julia closed her eyes and jumped, a full two seconds too early. Toby was not ready, but he caught her anyway, absorbing the impact with his prison-built muscles. He spun them both against the car and then softly to the ground. And then they get away. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And I, I think, I mean, again, Brian Keller has really at a disadvantage here because that scene in the movie, I mean, a lot of this stuff was genuinely pretty, like, it makes no sense, but the action scenes went pretty well. They were, like, pretty engaging and entertaining to watch. But then yeah. when you write them out, it's just like, ooh, that? <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, I think if he were just choosing to write an action car novel, maybe he wouldn't have, like, put all the stuff in there. But that's not what this game is. This is the movie novelization <laughs> game. <laughs> and then um, we have one last dramatic reading, which is one of my personal favorite parts of the film, just because the dialogue is, well, you'll hear. Yeah. Um, so what's happening is they're trying to uh, escape some of the bros that uh, Dino sent after them, and they're driving out west near a canyon, and they drive over a cliff. And, oh, um, Amanda will be our, our intrepid narrator, Kate will be Toby, and I will be Julia, the British lady. Julia had no other choice. She drove the Mustang off the cliff. And at that very instant, the super stallion straps went taut, catching the supercar and suspending it underneath. Toby and Julia couldn't believe what was happening. Holy shit, this is crazy! The flying Hawaiian and his right-seater watched in disbelief as the enormous helicopter flew the Mustang up and out of their grasp. But there was one problem. The Mustang was hanging almost straight down over the vast gorge below. The bottom of the gorge suddenly filled their windshield. Julia and Toby were pointing straight down, even as the helicopter began to gain altitude. And because Julia was scared of, was terrified of heights, this was her worst nightmare. Oh my god! Oh my god! She was so terrified that she was holding her breath, which was turning her face beet red. She was freaking out and trying to cry, but she couldn't because she had no air. Toby grabbed her by the shoulders. Julia, look at me! She did as he asked but was still red in the face and still not breathing. Focus on my eyes. Now. Breathe, Julia. Breathe. Julia exhaled and started gasping, but it was a start. Toby continued to soothe her. Good. Now breathe, relax, and focus on my eyes. What color are they? Blue. They're really blue. A little bluer than yours. No, they're not. And for one fleeting and crazy moment, they were lost in each other's eyes. 
Then finally, Julia smiled broadly. She was breathing again. Toby has successfully talked her down. At that moment, the huge helicopter banked to the left and flew on, the Mustang hang- hanging safely below. Yeah. And I mean, that, uh, that's, <laughs> that's straight that's out of the, the movie. movie. And, <laughs> and again, in the movie, it's pretty sweet. You're like, whoa, like they caught that car with a helicopter. And now they're fighting over whose eyes are bluest. <laughs> it was still kind of <laughs> Kind of. Pretty great. Uh, let's move on then to our would you rathers. Would you rather drive a car across country in two days in order to enter an illegal street race in order to somehow get avenge against the dude who killed your bro? Or stay home and send out some mean tweets in order to get revenge against the dude who killed your bro? I would probably send out the mean tweets. That is kind of already what I do when (laughs) I'm mad at people. Um, probably, like, to really prove that I was serious, I wouldn't even make them sub-tweets. I'd, like, at-reply him in the really mean tweets, but I'd put a dot in front so that everyone mm. could see I was talking to him. I agree. And that way you avoid a prison sentence multiple occasions and ending up in the hole, which... No, I don't want that. <laughs> I, I would send tweets. Uh, I might drive across country. Yeah. But then I'd chicken out. <laughs> well okay uh did i get a psychic vision from my dead friend um before that you know what i mean there's some factors that i don't know Mm -hmm. um i don't have any psychic friends so i might stick with the tweets because of that but if i did have a psychic friend well i don't know about you but i'm pretty contrary so if i had a psychic friend who was like dude like i totally saw that you were gonna win this race this way and like i didn't really believe he was psychic like even if it became clear that i could possibly win that race that way i might not do it just so that i could like save face and be like see that never happened Mm. (laughs) yeah see i i think i had a psychic friend once and i didn't buy it but she was pretty convinced Mm-hmm. I don't. I just don't know. <laughs> I guess the only way we'll find out for sure is um, if somebody murders your bro. Yeah. We'll okay. put this to the test. <laughs> <laughs> the other factor too is, I, I mean, I drive a 1996 Honda Accord. If I'm going to enter an illegal street race, I need, <laughs> I need a British millionaire uh, friend. Also. No, I'm getting in there. With, I'm getting in there with my Pontiac vibe. I don't think my 2005 Toyota Prius can actually get up to even 100 miles an hour, (laughs) let alone over 100 and into the 200 range. My problem is I'm Canadian, so I'm stuck in kilometers. (laughs) (laughs) I know 100. Well, in my in my 2008 Suzuki Forenza sometimes has trouble starting because it's so cold out. So (laughs) I I I wouldn't get off on on time anyway. Uh, you know what? That's another thing that this book nor movie addresses is the environmental impact of all this fuel being burned. It would be a lot better if they all did just race Priuses, I think. Yep. <laughs> and probably they'd get less prison time because the Prius wouldn't be able to go fast enough to <laughs> warn all of those cops showing up. Um, next up, would you rather read a lot of info dump about car repair and maintenance or a lot of info dump about herbs. <laughs> so, 
My question <laughs> is, how long is the info dump about herbs? Are we talking another 900 pages or like the 250 pages of info dump about cars? No, in this in this scenario, it's an equal amount of both. Um, we'll say 20 pages. 20 pages about cars or 20 pages about herbs. Um, hmm. Gosh, this is tough. <laughs> I I'm going to go cars. with the herbs. Oh. Hmm. <laughs> Why would you go with herbs? I would go with herbs because I know slightly more about herbs than I know about cars and thus care slightly more about herbs than I do about cars. Like, I could use herb knowledge in my life maybe one day. Um, Especially if you accidentally time travel. Yes. Exactly. (laughs) And I'm always hoping for accidental time travel at some point in my life. Uh, Plus, as I said, I drive a 2005 Toyota Prius, so I don't need to know a lot of information about big fancy cars. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Can can I cheat and say both? Um, No. I'm just like, as if I live in the middle of nowhere and I get lost in the mountains sometimes. And sometimes my car has troubles on the highway. I'm like, I kind of need both of these. Kind of need, mm, okay. Maybe but, car repair. I think yeah. maybe. Well, although if I'm lost in the woods, the herbs would be handy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm going to opt out. I, I'm going to say car repair because I, I live in Georgia and that's what, like, if I start talking car, then that's what attracts men. So, mm. okay, yeah. I, that's one strategy anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah which, which would they expect more from a woman? <laughs> Probably the herbs. Herbs, but they would prefer car repair. Yeah. <laughs> I just step outside and I'm like, oil change. And then like five dudes in leather jackets show up and they're like, hey girl. <laughs> well, five that's dudes in leather jackets yeah. and, and one guy in a kilt. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I'll take the car maintenance also, I think. Okay. Last up, oh, you know, this This addresses a point that we didn't discuss very much. The last would you rather is, would you rather be sponsored by Applebee's or ChristianMingle.com? And, of course, as you all know, we as a podcast are sponsored by ChristianMingle.com presently. Um, we suspect that this book was sponsored by Applebee's because they talk about it so much and it's not in the movie they never go to applebee's in the movie only in the book mm-hmm. well i obviously would rather be sponsored by christianmingle.com as they are our fine and beloved sponsor until they find out and ask us to stop <laughs> and i'm still holding out to find a future spouse via their services <laughs> you know if only they weren't so biased about against lesbians rude mm. and atheists Mm. (laughs) i'm gonna stick with christianmingle.com also um of course you know i want to stick with um stick with the girl that brought me here uh or gentleman which is christianmingle.com and also um applebee's is very unvegetarian friendly so fuck applebee's i don't want your fucking money (laughs) i just want a veggie burger at your goddamn restaurant Well, I, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to step out because I, I actually would prefer to be sponsored by Applebee's because of the free food. Now, I'm, I'm not yeah. a vegetarian, so there are more options for me. But um, I yeah. gotta go well, with you. I gotta go. With if you it's here. if it's the scenario in the book where Dino gives them a credit card and says use this for the car repair, and they're like, "Yay, we're gonna Applebee's. We're gonna get steaks." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I just want pie right now. <laughs> no, I'm gonna go with Applebee's. <laughs> 
All right, yeah. Okay, after we finish recording this, I'll meet you guys at Applebee's. I'm going to get in my <laughs> okay. ghost Mustang. Oh, uh, okay. I'm going to get in the car then. Pick you guys all up. <laughs> okay, good Good round of what you're other, guys. Um, now to Reader's Advisory, where we recommend books that you might want to read instead of or in addition to this book. Uh, and right off the bat, I'm going to say um, the movie, Need for Speed, you should watch that. It's mm-hmm. superior to the book because Aaron Paul's face is in it. Mm-hmm. And you can actually watch the car chases. And you can see his Breaking Bad tattoo in one scene. <gasps> yeah, you can. Oh, yeah, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's not a book, so we'll, we'll think of some books, too. I actually don't have um, a lot of suggestions. The only thing that I can come up with is I know that um, cars are a subplot in the Raven Boys series. Yeah, and car racing. Yeah. So that, that if you like also, you know, fantasy and romance and paranormal stuff and car racing, that's a good suggestion. But yeah. I honestly... Oh my god, the Raven Boys also has psychics. Psychics and conversing, yes, just hey. like this. Exactly. <laughs> See, it's perfect. Um, that's really the only suggestion I have. I can't say that I've ever read anything about car racing before. Uh, the Fast and the Furious movies, obviously, if you haven't watched them, they're fantastic. And not even in like a, this is a good garbage movie way, they are legitimately good movies. And I would also recommend the uh, the podcast episodes of How Did This Get Made about Fast and the Furious movies. That's, mm-hmm. I would recommend that above almost any book ever written. So, <laughs> <laughs> so can we recommend non-books? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, because I might have, like, one. Go. Okay. Um, <laughs> I was actually talking to a friend about Need for Speed last night, and she apparently, well, she got kind of confused. She thought I was talking about Drive. So oh, I, wow. if you're going to watch a car chase movie featuring an actor from Breaking Bad, I would highly recommend Drive. Brian Cranston isn't the main character, but it's just infinitely better. Although tonally, it's like complete whiplash next to Need for Speed. Wait, I'm sorry. Mm. Is this a Are you talking about the X-Files episode that he was in? No, no. I'm talking about the movie called Drive. It, it's with Ryan Gosling. Oh, oh yeah, because um, because Brian Cranston yeah, was too. in an Exiles episode entitled yeah. "Drive," in which he that had to drive too. a car across the country. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> which is what um, like Vince Gilligan saw and was like, "I want him to be in my show Breaking Bad because he did that character so well in that one episode of X Files." Okay, uh, so clearly both of these I'm recommending. Yeah. Both of these. <laughs> um, a few more books that I've come up with it's kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel here genuinely like if you're reading this it's probably because you like the movie or were confused by the movie but i in addition to raven boys by maggie stiefvater i'm also going to recommend the scorpio races also by maggie stiefvater because a she's great and b well that one's about horse races but if you like you know races check that out um, I also wanted to let you guys know that NASCAR has a Harlequin, a Harlequin line of romance novels, or Harlequin has a NASCAR line of romance novels, I guess. Um, one of these is called A Taste for Speed by Dorian Kelly. I haven't read these, but I just figure they're probably on point for this. Hmm. Um, I would figure. Mm-hmm. And my suggestion, my reader's advisory, um, I actually haven't read this, I've just read reviews about it, but it's a literary fiction title called The Spark in the Drive by Wayne Harrison. 
and it's about um, a guy who builds muscle cars and his wife, and then they've got a young apprentice, I guess, who makes this into like a weird love triangle thing. But I guess if you actually want to read a, apparently a fairly good book about cars, uh, The Spark of the Drive might be the way to go as well. Nice. Hmm. All right. Um, we'll have a few more that we'll put up on our reader's advisory page at worstbestsellers.com. Um, but again, just, just watch the movie. This is mm-hmm. <laughs> It's rare that a librarian will give you this that advice, but in this instance. <laughs> yes. It's, it's, yeah. true. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> Okay, we'll move on then to our candy pairings, where we'll recommend a candy to go with this book or movie, the way that a restaurant might recommend a wine to go with your meal. I will start. Um, My candy pairing for this book is the Fireball, because it is intense and explosive, just like racing cars. And, you know, it's probably the kind of candy you would eat after castrating someone with a pencil in prison. (laughs) Yeah. I would think. (laughs) They sell that at the prison commissary, right? (laughs) Totally. Next to the machetes. Well, and and my choice of candy is Warheads for very, very similar reasons because they're kind of intense, but you really have to, you know, what you do when you were a kid and put like eight of them in your mouth at one time. So you're numb at the end. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Mine is banana runts, um, like those hard fruit flavor candies, because... I, my sense is most people don't like the banana ones and they're sort of confused like why do they keep making the banana runs and I find them weirdly satisfying I really like the banana runs so uh, just like how I like Need for Speed although I acknowledge that it is bewildering and weird um, I was actually gonna go with Warheads so great minds <laughs> think alike um, yeah. I guess if I was to have, to have to pick another one uh, kind of got stuck on Red Bull this whole thing just sort of seems like an energy drink and yeah. if, I have to, if I have to include a candy, you could, like, maybe use it to wash down Pop Rocks. Ooh, yeah. 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 Uh-huh. That's how I feel about it. <laughs> and if you're going to be up for 45 hours driving cross-country, you're going to need Red Bull anyway. Clearly, yeah. yeah. Good candies, everyone. Good pairings. Next up, our moral of the story. What do you guys think the moral of Need for Speed, the movie novelization, was? My moral was twofold. Uh, the first part is to quote Dipper Pines from Gravity Falls, man, revenge is underrated. That felt awesome. And also part two is women are stupid and can't drive cars good. (laughs) (laughs) I'll say um, what I thought. Real friends will drop everything, jobs, everything, to help you drive across country and risk prison sentences that you can make stuff burn in your revenge. (laughs) For the record, I just want to be on record. Kate, we're at the friendship level where I will do a podcast for you, but I don't know if we're at cross-country race yet. <laughs> Maybe All next right, year. good to know. I just, I'll move you down a couple pegs on my list. I'm I just wanted to you to that. know in case you were planning something. Yeah, I mean, I'm disappointed to hear that, but I'm glad at least that you were upfront about it. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Uh, my moral of the story, and this is one that many books that we've read so far actually have shared. It's a pretty popular moral that we need to get across to the world. Uh, rich white men are the worst, and working class white men are the best. Yeah, it's pretty accurate. Yep. So, wait, do I have to come up with one now? Yes. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> this was really hard. Like, uh, I was thinking, like, maybe keep your pants on if you're quitting a job. <laughs> mm. or, or the one I really kind of 
I just sort of realized while working towards this podcast was life is too short to read Need for Speed twice. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I get that. That is legitimate. <laughs> okay. Um, now we'll turn to Duarte's favorite part of the podcast, Duarte's Corner, where I give my cat a moment to share his own thoughts and opinions about this book. All right, thanks for sharing, Duarte. As ever, you're very insightful. That was okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I guess I'm not surprised that he hated it that much. There really was no animals in it at all. Mm-mm. So, you know, I understand. He was a little harsh, though. Yeah. Brian Keller's just trying to do a job. Yeah, he's going to hurt Brian Kelleher's feelings, which, as have, <laughs> we've stated, is not the intention of this podcast. No. Sorry about it, BK. <laughs> all right i guess um we'll move on then to our closing thoughts any any humans have a closing thought to share uh well i certainly have no desire to see this movie what? <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> it's just you've been through the worst <laughs> you haven't seen the better part. yeah well the thing is i guess if you if you're not obsessed with Aaron Paul, then maybe the movie isn't good? I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's hard <laughs> to be objective. It's very hard to be objective. Imogen Poots is pretty cute, too. She yeah. is. She. Yeah. Oh, and I will say, um, part of it was filmed in my county before I moved here, but part of it was filmed in my county, and I think it was the hot fueling scene when she's like climbing out of the car to help Finn refuel the car while it's still driving. Sweet. I think that was my stretch of I-75. <laughs> so I, I like the movie for that. Awesome. Yeah, it would, of course, be better if Dwayne The Rock Johnson were in it, but yeah. it's still pretty good, I think. Man, he would have been spectacular as Monarch. Oh my god, can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'm done imagining that now. And I will say, um, Amanda and Christy, thank you so much for joining us. Glad you can make it and reunite the Need for Speed Book Club. Thanks. <laughs> you can follow us as a podcast on Twitter at Worst Bestseller with no S. You can follow me on Twitter at Renata Snacks. You can follow me on Twitter at, at 14 Across. I don't have a Twitter. <laughs> And, and you can follow me at Miss underscore Amanda May, M-A-E. You can also follow us uh, as a podcast on Facebook and subscribe to us on Stitcher and iTunes. And if you do, please take a moment to rate and review us so that we don't have to come up with a badly plotted revenge scheme against you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can also follow us in a very fast car or honestly yes. an average speed car would do it. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Um, you can visit our website at worstbestsellers.com where you can get uh, some reader's advisory and look at some related links to this book and our past episodes. And you can email us at worstbestsellers at gmail.com with uh, thoughts, vague revenge scenarios, uh, Applebee's coupons, (laughs) or suggestions for future episodes. (laughs) And our very next episode will be The Shunning by Beverly Lewis, in which we finally dip our toes into uh, Amish romance. Nice. Very excited. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Thanks for listening. Bye. 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 Bye.